0: Hey this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it feels your faith and I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. All right, look, uh, I want to talk today, uh, tonight, uh, to you, this little title about how to keep your head in the herd, okay? How to keep your head in the herd. And uh, to help us, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 20, and uh, I want to read five verses to you, and uh, the verses will be there on the screen behind me, I think, Uh, but I'll read them anyway if you've got a Bible with you, Brill, on the phone, uh, look that up on some app, but if not, let me read to you, and... uh, And then we'll get stuck in, okay. So it says this, Matthew 20, verse 29 to 34. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd, say crowd. A large crowd followed him. And two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't shout Jesus, and I'll come back to that in a minute. They said, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. And so let me pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time together. And we pray, Jesus, that you will equip us tonight through your word with the power of your spirit, God, to help us to keep our head in whatever herd, in whatever crowd that we find ourselves in in life. And so, Father, help us, teach us, change us. But most of all, I pray, fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. How many people know that there is power and influence in a crowd? Yes, there really is, and we all love to be in a crowd. Our kids are now 14, so that is teenager, uh, kind of the world uh, has hit our house. I don't believe in teenagerism, that's a thing we've made up to give kids permission to be badly behaved, okay? It's a nonsense, just love them anyway, regardless of the age, okay? Lean in, don't run away, don't be afraid. They're not lions, they're just kids. Anyway, our kids are 14, heading into 15, and, uh, and any time that you know they, they, they wanna go out or they ask us permission to go somewhere, they always follow up by saying, and such and such is going okay it's so important to be part of the crowd can I go because they're going they want to be connected and you know what it doesn't matter what age you are we love being in the crowd part of a crowd we love the influence of a crowd and uh, last summer we were in holiday in the south of France because you just can't hide the money and we were in Nice and it was our last night and we had 10 days and every night or in the sort of late evening we'd go onto the beach and we would go into the water we would set our stuff out and we would do whatever and the beaches are Packed and there's somebody on their guitar, a little clink of wine glasses. After all, it is France. There's a smell of cheese. It's packed. It's busy, and it's fantastic. It's so good. And so every night, we, uh, during the day we do our thing, and every night we come back onto the beach and we enter the water and whatever. So the last night, okay, we're on the we're onto the beach. We put our stuff down. on we go into the beach and we're throwing the kids around and doing all sorts of stuff as you do at the beach. Anyway, it starts to get dark, a little bit cooler, and I think to myself, you know what? Get nippy. You know. I'm I'm going to nip out, and sure, I will dry off and mind the stuff. And so I go back to where we laid our stuff. And I looked at where I had put my stuff. And my stuff was nicked. In my bag were the keys to the apartment, my Apple phone, my iWatch, the whole thing. Key, the whole lot. Cards, wallet, everything completely and utterly gone. I took the bag off. I put kind of buried it, I covered it with coats and things so nobody would know, but somebody was watching and they scooped the bag, the coat, the thing, and they just dandered off with absolute, so there we were, 11 o'clock, in Nice, the night before we're due to fly home, no keys to the apartment, no cards, no phone, no wallet, no information on the landlord how to ring her, Airbnb, whatever, completely and utterly like, <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't know if that ever happened to you. Anyway, once that we managed to pick the stomach up, you know when your stomach just goes straight to your feet? It's like, oh, I cannot believe this. And you want to wake up. Is, is this a dream? Anyway, we managed to, to find the thing, and we, we got to the police, and we found our phone. We found my phone on Judith's app, uh, you know, find my phone app, and went and got the police, the gendarmes, and we were headed to the place where the phone was. But because they had no search warrant, they wouldn't kick the door in. I felt, well, if you guys would give me 10 minutes, I'll kick a and it's just behind that flipping thing. or knock him out, or whatever. Anyway, so, in, in Jesus' name, I would have witnessed to him. <laughs> After, you know what I'm saying? It was a nightmare. We got in, we got to the plane, and we got home. Okay, but well, this is what I learned about crowds. You see, the crowd that can give sometimes becomes the crowd that takes. And that's it the crowd that gave us all the emotions and the smells and the joy and the laughter and the the crack and the banter, suddenly everybody became the crowd that took away from us. When we go at our story today, okay, we see that with a couple of men, they're blind men and they're in a crowd. and the crowd's doing two things. The crowd is telling them that Jesus is passing by. This is the crowd that is giving them something. But also in a moment, it's also the crowd that tells them to be quiet, to shut up and stop making a noise. Suddenly, the crowd that was giving is now the crowd that is taking. And I want to ask you tonight, who or what is your crowd, okay? And is the crowd giving or is the crowd taking or is your, I mean, is the crowd on a journey where the crowd that gives so much to your life suddenly now seems to be taking a little bit more than you are willing to give? Well, let me say this tonight, and it's my little strap line for the whole, the whole talk. Don't let the crowd you're in crowd Jesus out. Amen? Come on, don't let the crowd you're in crowd Jesus out. And these two blind men, they were no pushovers. They weren't taking no for an answer. When they discovered that Jesus was passing by, when they discovered that Jesus was so close, they made it their mission to connect with him, and there was no crowd that was going to stop them. And I want to encourage you, don't let any crowd stop you. So let me give you a couple of things from this little message tonight that's going to help you navigate the crowd, whatever the crowd might be in your life. Okay, whatever the crowd is, let me give you something that will help you navigate through the crowd to get you to Jesus, to keep you connected to Jesus, so that you can navigate the rest of your life. The first thing I want to encourage, it's a lot of shouting by the way, the first thing I want to encourage you as you navigate the crowds is to learn to shout life. Could we shout life? One, two, three. More of a mumble, let's shout like, one, two, three, three. Yeah. There we go, that's more of a pour it down, there we go. Let me tell you this little story. A district party conference was underway in Moscow. It was presided over by a new secretary of the district party committee, replacing one recently arrested. At the conclusion of the conference, a tribute to comrade Stalin was called for. And of course, everyone stood up and the hall echoed with stormy applause, raising to an ovation for three minutes, for four minutes, five minutes, the applause just kept going and going and going. Palms were getting sore, arms were getting aching, and older people were panting from sheer exhaustion. It was becoming silly even to those who adored Stalin, but the big question was who would have the courage to stop applauding first? well the secretary of the district party he could have done it he was standing on the platform and he was the one who called for the ovation in the first place but he was a newcomer and he'd taken the place of a man who'd been arrested by the kgb so he was afraid there was no way he was going to be the first to stop And so the KGB were standing in the hall and they were watching to see who would quit first. And in this little hall, unknown to Stalin, in the middle of Moscow, the applause went on. Listen to me, this is a true story. Six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes, listen to this, after 11 minutes. Have you ever clapped your hands for 11 minutes? You don't anything for 11 minutes. It's exhausting, okay? 11 minutes, a director of the paper factory assumed a business-like expression, folded his arms, and he sat down to a seat and a miracle t- took place And the whole everybody mm, they th- thanked the lord and they stopped dead and sat down they had been saved by this man that however was how they discovered who the independent people were that night The KGB arrested the factory director. They pasted 10 years on him on the pretext of something very different. And after he had signed form 206, the final document of his interrogation, the interrogator reminded him, don't ever be the first to stop applauding. Some of you in this room, and this is, this is my story, I've got to be honest. Some of you in this room are desperate to change, but the crowd that brought so much to your world now seems to be the same crowd that is getting in your way, but you're afraid to stop applauding. In John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, we meet a guy called Nicodemus. And the Bible says this. Now, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. The Bible says he came to Jesus at night, And he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And I love this, he came to Jesus at night. It wasn't where people could see him, he came at night. Why did he come at night? Because he didn't want the crowd that he ran with, the other Pharisees, to know that he was checking out who Jesus was. And I gotta tell you, this is my story. I hinted a bit earlier at this morning's service like when the moments I was, I was on this journey of discovering who Jesus was, I remember being in a bar with my friends, talking to them and mentioning the word Jesus, and wondering what they would think if I went to church. And I would be asking almost like their permission. And it was the same kind of thing, this kind of idea. I wasn't sure that I could leave the crowd, but the crowd that I ran with suddenly were becoming an obstacle to what God was calling me into. And so Nicodemus is Christ curious. He's seen the miracles and he's heard about the miracles and I think in his own mind he's convinced that Jesus is more than just a good teacher and so he decides to see for himself and I wonder, I wonder, and I'm going to stretch the metaphor and I'm going to stretch the illustration, but I wonder what it was like in Nicodemus's house. I wonder what it was like in his mind. I wonder what it was like before he got his coat on and he goes, well, I'm going to see Jesus. I wonder did he pace the living room? I wonder, did he think, what will my friends think? I wonder, did he think, what would the other guys on the ruling council think if they were to discover that I was checking Jesus out? What would they think if I went to church? What would they think if I decided to go to R8 one night to see about this Jesus, see if he's really more than, than what we, my granny thinks he was years ago? Is he, is he real? Is Jesus still exist? I wonder what he did. And what was the moment? I just would love to have seen it. I wonder what was the moment, R8 church, when Nicodemus, said, stuff it, and he shouted life, and he decided, you know what, this is my life, and I'm gonna live it, and I'm not gonna allow the crowd to surround me, to inhibit me checking out Jesus for myself. And so he gets his coat, whatever his shawl or his thing, and he heads out in the night to see Jesus. And so let me ask, don't put your hand up, but is there any Nicodemuses in the house? Is there any Nicodemuses in the room? Like tonight, you've broken from the crowd, and you know what? If your mates knew you were here, it's like, woo hoo! Because that's my story tiptoeing around the edges of church. Well, you know what, if you are a Nicodemus tonight, I wanna say awesome, fair play to you, well done, because you've broken through, you've decided to say, you know what, this is my life, I'm gonna live it, and I love the crowd, I love my people, but I have to check out if this Jesus guy is really who, he says he is, if Jesus is really real. But how many people know that Christians also have crowds? Yes? Come on, there are young people in this room and all around the world and you love Jesus with all of your heart and you are trying to honor God with your body, with your mind, with your touch, with your eyes and with your brain but the crowd gets around you. How do you navigate the crowd? Instagram and TikTok around the clock, whatever stuff, I don't know, renegade, renegade, I don't know whatever that means. My daughter's addicted. Oh, TikTok, TikTok, it's a disaster. And anyway, help me, pray for me. How do we navigate all of those crowds? There are people that, I don't know if any tonight, but you're crowded by debt. Not, not just people, but you're crowded by debt and you're trying to stop the spending. You're dying to stop the stuff but you can't seem to make the break. I think of grown men on factory floors wherever they are in the building sites and they try to turn the other cheek when the YouTube videos come out. Hey Patty, have you seen this one? Hey Sean, have you seen this one? Look at that. Oh, whatever. And you're like trying to be like Jesus and how do we navigate the crowds? Some of us we are crowded by our pasts. Some of us that we know we're forgiven, but the reality is we've never felt forgiven. We've never felt lighter, we've never felt free, we've never felt that release of condemnation from our life. And so we keep applauding as we keep punishing ourselves, carrying our own guilt, carrying our own condemnation. We're crowded and we're crowded and we're crowded and we're crowded. Isn't it time tonight that we said, you know what, this ends, this ends, this is my life and I'm gonna shout life. I'm gonna check out Jesus in a fresh way to see if he's really real. I am gonna shout life. Is there anybody in our church tonight that says, you know what, that's me. I'm going to shout life. The second thing that we got to learn to shout is, is Lord. Once we make the decision to say, you know what, this is my life. I'm going to check out Jesus. We're going to discover that Jesus is Lord. And so we begin to declare his Lordship. It was a Monday afternoon a load of years ago. And uh, i got four kids all the same age as you know. And so when the, when the time came for the, uh, for the teeth to fall out, Primary school, P5, six, whatever it was, like it was a nightmare. It cost a fortune, right? I had a, we had a, a tooth fairy on the payroll. She had three and a half days a week, for about six months in our house, and uh, teeth flying everywhere. And so Lucy was, see, so you, Sarah, Peter, Lucy, Charlotte. So Sarah's my eldest by a minute. She was born at 9:23 9, a.m. Peter 9:24. Lucy was 9:25, and Charlotte was 9:27. Four minutes to change your world. Anyway, that's another story for another day. Have I mentioned my wife? She is absolutely phenomenal, by the way. Okay, all—all all, I was going to say all glory, but that's to you, Lord. But next to that, all glory to her. I tell you what, something else. Anyway, so Lucy, she's third, and uh, her front teeth. Baby teeth were the slowest to come to kinda of leave, okay? And so anyway, so she still had them and they were kind of a little bit loose, but they weren't daddy loose, okay? You know what daddy loose is? Daddy loose is payback. That's what it is. It's like put one foot in the chest. I didn't do that. But it's where you get a little bit of payback, okay? A little bit of satisfaction from pulling teeth out. <laughs> You've over my life, I will take your teeth. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, it's a little bit like And so, anyway, Lucy was kind of wobbly, but not daddy wobbly, all right? So anyway, Monday it was, and we're at school, and Monday was my day off, and so I would go to pick the kids up at school. And Lucy came charging out of school this day, as they normally do, P5. You know what kids are like? The, nobody walks out of school like that. They They're running right out the door. And Lucy has her, her school bag, and the strap of the school bag is around her head. So you get the picture. Strap, bag over her, over her bum. Okay, and so that's the way she can char, coat, coat whatever. But the strap started to fall down her face. Mm-hmm. And the strap of her bag hit the mouth. Well, you all know exactly what has happened. The tooth I had been watching and the tooth I had been hoping for and dreaming, a front one, a big one, that I was going to pull out. Well, this tooth fell out all by itself? I was devastated. Oh, no, that's another pound I have to find, another lie I have to tell about a tooth fairy. And anyway, she pulled this tooth out, and she held the tooth up like Arsenal winning the FA Cup. Glory had a good result that day. And she said, here's a tooth. Well, it was like all of time stopped in the playground. All of her friends, they crowded around her. Let me see the tooth. It's a tooth. It's a tooth. Let's see the tooth. It's not like they hadn't seen a tooth before, let's be honest. And so the tooth is going da-da-da, and they're all melly, melly. Parents are going, I'm going, no pound. I know, nightmare. We're all kind of waiting, whatever. Next thing, Lucy has this scream. Now, you know as a parent, there's a tone of scream, don't you? You know the scream that says, hey, that was a scream, but it's okay, no action required. And then there's the, ah! That's the scream that says, hey, there's definitely action required, you need to get over here. It was that kind of scream, okay? And so I knew something was wrong. So what happened was, the wound had started to bleed. And so blood had started to come out. So all the joy of the tooth was now being replaced by fear of a bleeding gum. And she started to scream, Daddy! Well, when you get your daughter screaming, Daddy... Oh, yes. I'm born for days like these. I threw off my coat like a cape. The big S, I'm throwing children over my shoulder. Into the middle of all of this, and I pick her up. I have got you. Daddy has got you. And I lifted her, and I carried her to the car. Whether she wanted carried her or not, I was having a good time, and it was a fantastic thing. And this is what I learned in that moment, okay? When the blood started to flow from her mouth, Lucy understood this, that in that moment, her daddy could give her, what the crowd never could. And we need to understand. Now whatever crowd that we're running with, whatever crowd that seems to come around us, we come to a place in our lives, we come to a place in that moment of understanding that Jesus can only give us what the crowd never can. It may promise to give us some things, but Jesus can only deliver In Matthew 20, verse 30 of our text this this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time of day it is, it says, Lord, Son of David, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And this is interesting, they weren't going Jesus. Hey, Nazareth fella, Lord, Son of David. It's the formal title for the Messiah. What they were screaming was, hey, the anointed one, hey, deliverer, all the while they were ignoring the crowd. And these blind men who've been incapacitated for heaven knows how long had enough faith to believe that this Jesus who was walking by them could do something the crowd could not. In Luke 19, verse 1 to 4, we meet a guy called Zacchaeus. And the Bible says this, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And the Bible says he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. That's awesome. Zacchaeus was hated by everybody. He was hated by the Jews for collecting taxes for the Romans. He was hated by the Romans for being a turncoat for the Jews. And the Bible says he was kind of a chief tax collector, so he was even hated by tax collectors. So he robbed everybody. He robbed everybody. Can you imagine Zacchaeus in the crowd trying to see Jesus? Could you imagine your luck if you think that that's Zacchaeus beside you in the crowd? I could have a dig at him and he would never know. Oh, sorry. So what does he do? He climbs a tree to get out of the crowd. He can't see and so he he climbs a tree so he wants to see Jesus. Why does he want to see Jesus? I think the answer's in Mark 2. Verses 13 to 15, we read this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them and as he walked along, he saw Levi sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Zacchaeus didn't go home when the crowd blocked his view of Jesus because Zacchaeus knew that Jesus loved tax collectors and he wanted to know if Jesus could love him in a way the crowd never could. He wanted a fresh start, he wanted a new life because he finally found and heard a rumor of someone who could love him, regardless of what he did and who he was. And I believe with all of my heart, Ariat, you know what, that Jesus can give you what the crowd cannot. I've testified to this and all of you will have versions of this story, the Bible, you know, the Bible calls Jesus, they call him the light of the world. I believe he'll guide you in every dark place. The Bible calls Jesus the rock. He'll steady you when the herd just want to lead you on into oblivion but Jesus sets my feet upon the rock. The rock of course is Jesus. The Bible says you know what he is the good shepherd. Not only will he lead you and he'll feed you but he'll care for you every single step of the way. Psalm 23 talks about the valley and and the hard places and the hard to see places and it is that comforting touch of his presence with the rod and the staff that lead us through the darker days. The Bible says Jesus is ever present. The Bible says he'll never leave us. How many people have crowds walk away on them? Jesus always will reply to your text. He will always, he'll never pay you on Snapchat. He will always come through. The Bible says that he's our redeemer. Jesus is committed to your future. The Bible says he's the Lion of Judah. He is your captain of the guard. He will fight for you. The Bible says Jesus is your advocate. We learned this morning that he's seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father, interceding, praying about, talking about you, your ears should be on fire. The Bible says he's the king of kings. Our hope and our peace are it. Listen to me, Jesus can give you what the crowd cannot. Whatever you need, the cry of your soul is met in Jesus. So we got to shout life. Then we got to shout Lord because he's the Lord that can give us what the crowd cannot. And finally tonight, we got to learn then in some seasons to shout louder. I love this. Matthew 20, verse 31, it says this. You know what they all rebuke? Hey, you be quiet, you blind guys. Jesus is passing. Shoo, stop being a pest. Cried, 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 cried. The Bible says they shouted all the louder. These men were from Port of Town. <laughs> we're not taking no for an answer. They shouted all the louder. Near our house, and with this I'm nearly done, near our house is like a little forest trail. It's kind of split level. So you drive the car into the car park, and you go running like that up the top level, down at like maybe for like a 2K, waterfall with steps that side, and then that's the far end of the trail, and then you come running back, loop up around back to the car park. You kind of get a loop, but it's split level, all right? And uh, I thought I'd go for a run one afternoon. It was kind of this time of year, so dark a little bit early, windy, whatever. Four o'clock, windy, a bit wet, a bit freaky, only me there. Ooh, the wind makes noises through the trees, all of that stuff, but I thought I'll go for a run anyway. I'll go for a run. So I parked the car, it was Judah's car, it was an old Astra, silver Astra thing, one point something, no, no. It just went. Anyway, and so I parked the car there, out for a run, and I got to where the waterfall is at the far end, about to go down, and and it was all windy and leafy and blowy and woo and all of that stuff, and I was kind of freaked out a little bit, and this voice goes off in my head. Get back to your car. It's not the message you want. You know, you want the message like, hey, I'm with you, don't be afraid. Okay, I didn't get that. I got, get back to your car, get back to your car. Now, I'm at the farthest end of this thing, and I thought it's a bit of paranoia. It's a bit of the old woo, -woo whatever, and the leaves and the wind, whatever. Anyway, I picked up the pace a little bit, and I, I, down the, the steps of the waterfall, along the other, the sort of lower part of the loop, and I started to loop on back to the car park, and I turned around where I could see my car, and there were five guys around my car. Two at the front, two behind, and one trying to break into the car. Like an Astra. I mean, I know. I couldn't believe it either. Okay. And so anyway, they're trying to get in. And in that moment, I did something I never thought I'd have the courage to do. I went, Ay! That's my car! And then I ran to them, I, I ran to them, not away from the five of them. I ran to the five of them. I'm gonna take a hit for the Astra, right? And I'm running to the thing, not a thought about what would happen if they had, a went, yeah. I'm on ahead. head, what was I gonna do? Take off my Nike, you know? And, Hit them with a size east. What what was going to happen? Anyway, I'm going, ah, that's my car. And I'm running towards them with speed. My my body was going, where did you find the speed? Anyway, and so I'm running towards them. And then they bolt, they get into their car and they sped off. So I get to my car. What do I do next? I get in my car and I chase them all the way through Eglinton like a man possessed, again, I asked myself the question, what was I going to do if I had have done a Starsky and Hudson over the hedge, and oh, this is a citizen's arrest, please hold your hand out for duct tape. I mean, what, what, what are we going to do? I mean, honestly, what was happening? Listen to me. Sometimes in life, when the enemy is trying to steal things from your destiny and stealing things from your future, sometimes we just go, oh, well, no, no, no. Sometimes we got to shout louder and go, hey, that's my life. Hey, that's my marriage. Hey, that's my family. Hey, that's my kids. That's my job. That's my health. That's my destiny. Hey, and start running towards it. In Jesus' name, we got to do it. So we got to shout louder sometimes. In Luke five eighteen tells the story of these four friends who carried a crippled guy to see Jesus. Only when they got to the house where Jesus was, they couldn't get in. Why? Because there was a... Oh, there's always a crowd. And the crowd's main objective is to try and stop you from getting in to see Jesus. Not these friends. These friends said, hey, that's my friend. You're going to see Jesus. They shouted louder. What did they do? Up onto the roof. Imagine being in the house. Can you hear something? As the roof starts to fall in, and the next thing you're just Jesus chatting away, doing all the awesome stuff, and the next thing out of your peripheral vision, you can see like what looks to be a mat floating in the sky. As these boys are, on four. One, two, three, four. Too fast, too fast, go slow. Is this guy just like, amazing. We need friends who stop at nothing to get us to where Jesus is, amen? I love it, they shouted louder. They shouted over the crowd. They said, you know what? It may be impossible to get through the door. Ah, but we're gonna get through the roof, amen? Come on, there's crowds in your life, and you know what, it looks impossible for you to get through to Jesus, but you gotta find the roof and find the way to Jesus. And for some of you tonight, this is your lift the roof off moment. This is your moment to go, hey, you know what, I have lowered myself, my friends, I've come here with somebody, they've lowered me where Jesus is, and I can meet Jesus tonight. I've shouted life, I've shouted Lord, now I'm shouting louder, Jesus, please do something in my life. Get me back on my feet, let me leave this place radically different from when I arrived. Please, whose life am I preaching to tonight? Sometimes, church, we have to shout for what we need. One of the things I encourage the churches I talk to all across Ireland is to make sure you maintain your desperation. Always be desperate for more of God. Be desperate when you labor for prayer. We've lost a sense of, I'll pray once. Oh, well, mustn't be His will I'm not gonna guess God's will, but I believe in the power of prayer. And if we have to lift the roof off, we will lift the roof off in Jesus' name. Keep praying for your life. Keep praying for your families. Keep praying for the kids that are far from God at the moment. Pray without ceasing, the Bible says. Shout life, shout Lord. But always, as a church, shout louder. Do not become weary in doing good. The Bible says trust the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not on our own understanding but in all thy ways. Shout louder in Jesus' name. The Bible says be confident in the one who began a good work. is faithful to complete it. Don't stop halfway through. Shout louder. If your promises haven't been answered yet keep shouting, keep fasting, keep believing, keep giving, keep serving. Do whatever you do. You could be in the middle of a transition, middle of a season, whatever it is. I want to encourage with you Shout we give up way too soon way too easily so come on who's Christ curious worship team feel free to come on up if you get a second who's Christ curious in the room who is breaking rank tonight with the crowd you love the crowd. nothing wrong with the crowd today I'm not picking on your crowd but who in the room is Christ Curious and you've come here tonight and you're thinking I'm just got to check this Jesus thing out, Jesus man, Jesus whatever. What if my mates knew? Wow. What I've met Jesus. I like the sound of this Jesus. I like the sound of Jesus who can change my life. I like the sound of this Jesus Lord character. You can give me things and do things for me in my behalf? But the crowd could never, I could never find my identity in the crowd. I can never find peace in the crowd. I can never find forgiveness and, and shake off the, the guilt and the shame and the stuff and the stuff I did in my life. I, could, I can't find that in the crowd. I've been chasing crowds of various sizes and descriptions my whole life. I've ran from groupings and people and other stuff and crowds and mates and I, and I just, I can't find. I, I've sniffed and I've snorted, I've injected, I've bought, I've played, I've. And I just, whatever you call the crowd, the crowd can be heroin, the crowd can be cocaine, the crowd can be whatever it can be. I've tried, I've sniffed, I've done the whole thing, but whatever crowd I've tried to get to, I, it has never given me the thing that I need. And suddenly tonight I come to this church and I discover that Jesus is Jesus, the one that can give me what the crowd can. not Maybe for all of us, for some of us in the room, it's like, We've stopped believing in our marriage. We've stopped believing for our kids. We've stopped believing in the promises that God, you've Bibles somewhere with verses highlighted and a date on them. And they're years old and they've never, t- come on, I'll learn to shout louder, church. We I mean, dare to believe. Crowds of unbelief, crowds of cynicism. Crowds of hopelessness, crowds of betrayal, crowds of offense. What's your crowd? Come on, we got to learn to keep our head, whatever the herd is. And sometimes the only thing we can do in the crowd is shout. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we will see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.